Father, I look to you this morning and ask for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of grace to fill this place. Father, there is nothing in me that can bring this word forth, but it is only you. And Father, I pray that through this time, you would change the hearts of everyone here, that each one here would remember this day and remember this message and be so moved to be drawn close to you. Father, I pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to touch each life in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to share with you today the most important message that I have. And that's a message concerning the Scriptures, the Word of God. Almost 30 years ago, I set to reading the Scriptures from beginning to end, from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22. Then when I finished it, I started it over again. And I've been doing that for almost 30 years. And I want to tell you about what the Scriptures can begin to do in a life. If we'll but take God seriously and take Him at His Word. It says in Psalm 1, Psalm 1, verse 1, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Look at the promise of the Word of God. It says, it says that, but, he, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. There is a promise here. And every promise in the Scriptures is coupled with some act of obedience. Some act of obedience. Find for me a promise in the Scriptures that's not coupled to an act of obedience. I'd like to see it. Because I've searched the Scriptures through. Every promise is coupled to an act of obedience. And there is a promise that goes along with delighting in God's Word. It says that if we delight ourselves in God's Word, it says that we will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. You want to have a life that you look back on and say, I've yielded the fruit of God. It can be had if we'll meditate on the Word of God. And then it says, And its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. That is a promise. Prosperity in the Word of God. And let me say at the outset, prosperity is not money. Prosperity is something much richer in the Scriptures. Much richer. It is a family. It is a way of life. It is a relation to people. It is a peace that surpasses all understanding. This is what God gives. That if I take this word and make it my meditation, God would cause me to prosper. For ten years, I went into maximum security prisons in Columbia, South Carolina. Every Monday night, I was in a maximum security prison. In fact, tomorrow I'm going to go back and visit some friends, even though it's been eight years since we've lived in Columbia, and the prison has opened their doors to me, and I'll go back into the same prison, the maximum security prison to minister tomorrow night. But for 10 years, I went into these prisons. And whenever there was a particularly hard man that I could never seem to get through to, I would say, do you have children that I can pray for? And immediately they would begin to soften. Because we all want the very best for our children. Now I've heard about stories about people 
that, that, that don't care much about their children. I've never seen that. I have never seen it. And I would say to these men, let me pray for your children. They would soften. Because we want the very best. Look in Psalm. Psalm 112 speaks to this very point. How you can have the very best for your children. Psalm 112, reading from verse 1. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who, de- who greatly delights in His commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Listen to those words. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth, on this earth. And the generation of the upright will be blessed. This is the promise of God. That if I delight myself in His word, He will bless my children. This is what it says. Believe it. This is the promise. It is coupled to an act of obedience, of delighting in this word, He will bless my children. You want good for your children? Here is the plan. God says, here it is. You want good for your children? Delight yourself in my word. Your children will be well. Every morning I wake up very early. And at the bottom of the steps, I open the Word of God and I get on my knees and I begin to read and I begin to pray. And when I'm done, I have the picture of my four children on the wall. And I look up at that picture and I say, God, I remember your promise that you gave to me that if I delight myself in your Word, that you would make them mighty on this earth and you would bless them. Father, bless them according to your Word. Bless them according to your Word. This is the promise He has for us. And it is a beautiful promise also for these days. In verse 7 of that same chapter, it says, He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. These perilous times that we have, not knowing what the world is going to be like even tomorrow. It says, you don't have to fear evil tidings. Your heart can be steadfast, trusting in the Lord. If I take this word and make, my, make it my delight, that is part of the promise. Psalm 119. I've meditated on this portion in Psalm 119 probably more than any other portion in the Scriptures. Psalm 119. Reading from verse 97. Oh, how I love Thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thy commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for Thy testimonies are my meditation. And I understand more than the aged, because I have obeyed thy precepts. Look what it says. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. If I take this word and make it my meditation, it says that I'm going to have more insight than all my teachers. This is what it says. I've had the good fortune of studying under some of the best professors of chemistry. And the Scripture doesn't say that I will give you more insight than all of your Bible teachers. It says, "Than more more insight than all of your teachers. This is the promise. Whoever has instructed you, you can have more insight if you make the Word of God your meditation. This is the promise. 
And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it talks about how Moses had just died. And right after he died, he commands Joshua. He says, Joshua, you know, you can have a really blessed life. Moses, my servant, is dead now, and you can have a really blessed life, but there's just something you've got to do. And if you do this, you're going to be all right. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. You want to know the plan of success, Joshua? You take this book, you meditate on it day and night, and you will have success. And everybody wants success, and everybody wants it. And God says, it's right here. Here is the plan. You take this book and make it your meditation, you will have success. How much clearer does God have to be for us? And so for over 20 years, I've had a pocket full of Scripture verses. that I take Scriptures and I keep them in my pocket so that I can meditate on them. And I'll take this Scripture portion and I'll meditate on it. And, and right now we're, we're learning from, from the book of Psalms and we memorize this as a family. And so I'll wake up with the family and I'll memorize this with my, with my kids. And from the time they were little, we did this. You make this word your meditation, you will be prosperous, and you will be successful. And it gives you something that money cannot buy. This is what God says. Let me give you some examples now from my own life of the way God has spoken and the things that He has done. Sometimes what He does through His Scriptures is that as we're reading, He gives us some concept that applies directly to something that we're dealing with in life. So remember, I read the Bible from beginning to end. When I'm done, I start again. And I say, Lord, this day as I begin this portion, speak to me from it. Speak to me. One day, when, when I was in graduate school, Shereen and I, my wife, we, we used to have uh, young people into our home. And so we were just graduate students ourselves. We used to have young people into our home. We had this little apartment in, in marriage student housing. And... The young people would come in on a Wednesday night and they'd fill our home and we'd, we'd serve a meal and, and Shireen would cook and I would talk. This, is, this was the plan. She'd do the cooking, I'd do the talking, and then, then we'd teach, we'd sing some songs and we'd teach the Bible. And you know, college students don't mean to be messy, but it's just inherent within them. This is just the way they were. And our oldest daughter was about two years old at the time, and... and uh, I remember one day that a young man came walking in the apartment and he hadn't even knocked the snow off his feet and he just came walking in with his boots on and snow just tracking in. Just a small little apartment. That's all we had. One bedroom. And my daughter, who was two years old, was crawling behind and eating the, the, the snow as it came off his feet. And I remember seeing her. You know, I, I remember seeing them eating. Sometimes the students would be eating on the couch, and food would roll off their, their plates and fall on the couch, and they didn't even know it. They didn't mean to be rude. It was just there. And one day, I, several days later, I saw my daughter sitting on the couch, and she was chewing on a chicken bone that she had found behind the, the, the couch pillow. And it really started to bother me that the place was getting trashed. 
It was stirring up my heart. And then one day I was reading in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter uh, um, 14, verse 4. And it says, Where no oxen are, the manger is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of the ox. Where no oxen are, the manger is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of the ox. And my eyes kept going back there and I didn't know what it meant. And I said, Lord, are you speaking to me from this? And then he made it clear. Where no oxen are, the manger is clean. But much increase comes by the strength of the ox. You want to keep your clean apartment? Go ahead. Don't invite the students. But if you want to see the increase of God in their lives, don't worry about your apartment. And from that day I said, always our home will be open to the ministry of the Word of God. Always. And every apartment we lived in, and we went from state to state. We went from New York to Indiana to Wisconsin to California to South Carolina. Everywhere we went, and now to Texas, our home has been open to the ministry of the Word of God. Every Sunday in our home, if we had been home today, we would have 30 to 40 young people in our home for Sunday meal. We do this. To this day, we open up our home. And I tell my children, open up the home. The home is open for Christian ministry. Why? Because God blesses. God blesses. Let me tell you a story from the Word of God. There was a man named Obed-Edom in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And this man, Obed-Edom, they brought the ark into his home. This is the presence of God came into his home. David was afraid to move that ark. He went into Obed-Edom's home. And God began to bless everything in the house of Obed-Edom. That's in 2 Samuel chapter 6. He began to, bl- began to bless everything in the house of Obed-Edom. And David hears about it, and they said, everything about Obed-Edom is being blessed. And you know what David said? Get that ark out of his home and bring it up to my home. Bring the presence of God into our home, and we will be blessed. And I say, let's continue to minister. And our house gets trashed up. It really does. We have a maid come on Monday to help clean up after the trashing that it takes on Sunday. And things get worn out, and dishes get dropped, and... And, and uh, uh, there's a lot of wear and tear on the home. But this is the ministry of God, the increase of God. God spoke this to us. And we've been faithful to that promise. So He speaks to us sometimes through a concept. Sometimes He speaks even a precise word. A precise word. This is going to come out of Proverbs 27. And a story that occurred when, when I was doing my postdoc. We lived out in California. We were at Stanford. And I got this thing in my mind because it talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, how women should be modestly dressed and, and they don't need this adorning and everything. And, I, and, you know, many young people seeking the Word of God go through this phase. And I started to tell my wife, you don't need any makeup. And, you know, look, I was a young guy. I didn't know, what, you know, the trouble that that was going to cause. <laughs> and it really started to bother me. And... and, and uh, I was making $17,000 a year. You say, well, you know, back then that really lasted. Well, our rent back then, 20 years ago, in Menlo Park, California, was $750 a month. So you do the math. That's where, and my, my, my uh, gross pay, not my net, my gross was $17,000 a year, and I had a wife and two children. And I had a Ph.D., and that's how much I was making. <laughs> Maybe because I had a Ph.D., that's how much I was making. And then what happened was she, she built up a friendship with the woman who ran the apartment complex. And the woman was into selling Mary Kay cosmetics. 
And she got Shireen to spend $150, which was a lot of money for us, on the starter kit for becoming a Mary Kay salesperson. I didn't even like the idea of makeup, and now she's in the business. And it was bothering me so much. You know, little things can get into a marriage and just disrupt it. I mean, in, in this whole scheme of things, it's really nothing. But it was really bothering me, and I was spending an hour a day praying about this. I was really upset. One day, early in the morning, I was sitting at the kitchen table, and I was reading in Proverbs. And in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 9a, it says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And God spoke to my heart from this precise word, leave her alone. It makes her glad. And I remember she came walking out of the bedroom and I said, Shireen, you can wear all the makeup you want any time you want. And she looked at me and she said, you are a moody man. <laughs> but from that day, it's never bothered me. And then what happened is God took care of the whole thing. She's so gracious, so giving. These young ladies would come to buy Mary Kay. She couldn't. She didn't have the heart to sell it to them, so she would give it to them. So the starter kit was gone. She was out of business. There was no more business in this. And God took care of it. Sometimes He speaks by a precise word that brings peace into a home. Sometimes what He does through the Scriptures is He raises our faith. On September 3, 1993, I was reading in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. And the occasion, the occasion was I had gone out to give a talk at the institution where I had gotten my, my Ph.D. And so I was invited back. And so this was the first time being invited back after I had my own independent research career and I had been invited back to give a talk on what I was doing. And God began to raise my faith through the Scriptures because I read in Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. And all things that you ask in prayer believing, you will receive. And I had just been on my knees that morning in the hotel room praying for the seminar that I'd be giving in chemistry that day in the chemistry department. And I always pray before I go give a lecture, a secular lecture, because I've learned that if you're a preacher and you pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit comes in an outpouring. But people kind of expect it because it's a church. But if you work in the secular world and you pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they don't know what hit them. And I was praying for the outpouring of the Spirit, and I read this verse, and I said, God, you are raising my faith by this. I pray. It's the best chemistry seminar ever given in that department. And the department's like 100 years old. I pray it'll be the best. He said, you raised my faith through this. And I thought, well, how will I really know if it was the best? I haven't seen all the chemistry seminars there for 100 years. How do you know? And I said, Lord... If it's the best, I pray that my, my mentor, my former professor there, says that it was a super seminar. If he uses those words, it was a super seminar, then I'll know it's a sign from you 
that it was the best seminar. Now, to give you an understanding, my professor was a Japanese man, and he, his, he never used this term super on anything. And in fact, when we came to him with good results, when I came to him, if even it was a great result, he would say, pretty good for your level. And I never got past the man's waist. It was always for your level. And I said, Lord, none of this for your level stuff. I want it to be a super seminar. That'll be the sign. And I remember delivering that seminar. And I knew God had blessed and God had anointed. And when I got done, that Japanese man was sitting right on the, on the end, on the front row. As soon as I got done, he stood up and he said, Super! Super! I said, Lord, there's the sign. Right behind him was sitting the man that he had studied for, a man that I knew well. His name was H.C. Brown. He received the Nobel Prize in 1980 in chemistry. And I walked up to him and I shook his hand that a Nobel Prize winner would come to see my seminar that day. And as I'm shaking his hand, he didn't get up. He was an older gentleman. He looked at me and he said, that was the best seminar I've ever seen in my life. And I said, sir, that's very kind of you to say that. And in typical Nobel Prize winning fashion, he said, I'm not saying it to be kind, I really mean it. (laughs) God takes his word. He approves it. And he blesses according to his word. If we meditate on this word, he raises our faith. The other thing he does is he deals with our heart through the scriptures. He deals with our heart. The occasion was, I was uh, an assistant professor at the University of South Carolina. The year later, the year after that I joined, we hired another faculty member in the same department, another organic chemist. And I remember him walking into my office one day. And remember, I had been there a year longer than him. And early on in our careers, he walked into my office one day and he said, I'm going to get tenure before you ever do. Now, that's not really the type of thing most people say. I mean, even if you think it, you don't say it. That's like walking up to somebody and saying, I'm much smarter than you are. I mean, it is... So I didn't say anything. But, you know, I used to go every day at noontime to the chapel on the University of South Carolina campus in Columbia and get on my knees and ask God to bless and to pour out His grace on my work. God blessed my career so much. Within three years, I had tenure. Within, four year, within five years, I was a full professor. Within six, I had a chaired professorship. I had built up big labs with carpeting in my office, big desk and secretary out front and all these things, and he still had his little metal desk. There was nothing there. God had blessed my career so much. And one day, one young lady, one student comes walking in, one undergrad. She says, you know, I really like you. She said, but it really bothers me what that other guy across the hall says about you. He's always talking about how you only care about yourself and your own labs and you don't care about the department. And, you know, we know in academia, if you want something to spread across campus, you tell one undergraduate, and the next day it's in the newspaper. And I was really angry. And I went across the hall, and I went up to his door... And I knocked on his door, and I was ready to really give it to him. And he wasn't in. He wasn't there. 
And then God began to speak to my heart. I had been reading out of Luke and memorizing a portion with my children out of Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, I began to memorize a portion. And these words came zinging right back at me. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I say to you, who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And then skipping down to verse 36. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. This verse is often used in application to giving money. Give and it will be given to you in return. And maybe it works in that too. But the context is, you give mercy, you receive mercy. You give condemnation, you receive condemnation. Whatever you sow, that you shall also reap. And you know you sow one grain, one kernel of corn, you get 10,000 kernels of corn. You sow one apple seed, you get, an, you get an apple tree that bears fruit for 75 years. We always reap much more than we sow. That is the principle of sowing and reaping. It says it's going to pour out in your lap. Whatever you give, you're going to get back. And I said, Lord, I'm going to pray for his good. And I would go every day on campus. I would go in the chapel and I'd get on my knees and begin to pray for the good of this young man and for his career. And you know what started happening? God started blessing his career. He started getting big research grants. He started getting all this money. His group started growing. He started publishing all these great papers. And then guess what happened? He got an offer from another university. He accepted the offer and he left and I was ecstatic. (laughs) This couldn't have worked out better. He was gone. We want God to deal with a certain situation. And God says, yeah, sure, I can deal with that. I can cut it out. But it's like cancer wrapped around your heart. There's going to be stuff that I'm going to cut into while I take it out. But the Scriptures teach us these principles. They deal with our heart as we begin to meditate on the Scriptures. They deal with our heart. So what they do is they can take us and they can give us some concept where no oxen are, the manger is clean. They can speak a precise word, oil and perfume make the heart glad. They can raise our faith for a certain situation for the day. And they can deal with our heart. And there is great blessing on making this Word of God your meditation. So what is the take-home message? What do you take home? I am telling you, if you take this Word of God and begin to read it every day and say, God, speak to me, your life will be blessed. Your children will be blessed. I know for sure, because it's God's promise. Every promise is coupled to an act of obedience. This is the act that's before us. And in the midst of it, He makes us better people. My father-in-law gave me some advice when I had two children. They were both very young. 
He said to me, he says, you know, you're a very busy man. I know you pray with your kids before they go to sleep. But you're going to have to start having a time where you dedicate to really teaching them the Word of God and having a family time. And my daughter was probably, one was probably about four years old, the other was about two. And that's before our two sons were born. And I started waking them up early in the morning and saying, I'm going to teach my kids the Word of God and we're going to pray together. To this day, at 5.30 in the morning, I wake up my children. They come downstairs. And we read the Scriptures together. And I teach them the Word of God. You know, it says in in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, but I want you to understand, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, that Christ is the head of every man, that man is the head of woman, and God is the head of Christ. As the man of that home, I took on this task of teaching the Word of God. And Shireen would come and join me then. And even if she doesn't come and join me, I do it. And I am just like most of you here. I work for a living. I leave my house at 6 in the morning, Monday through Friday. And I get home about 6 in the evening. And I work for a living. And I work on Saturdays also. So I put in a lot of hours. I work hard. But from 5.30 to 6, that's my time with my family. And the good thing about it is, as the kids got older, there were a zillion things to do in the evening. And a lot of phone calls coming in. And a lot of things happening. But at 5.30 to 6 in the morning, nobody's bothering us. And we take our scripture verses that we're memorizing and we test each other. And then I read a Bible portion. And from the time they were little kids, I read out of a book called Hurlbut's Story of the Bible. H-U-R-L-B-U-T apostrophe S. H-U-R-L. B-U-T apostrophe S. It was published in 1932. Not the children's version. The real thick version. You can get it on Amazon still. It's like $75. But you can read that and every age group in your home can be blessed by that. It tracks the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but it puts it in story form. And it has pictures on every other page. Classic pictures. And the little kids love to look at it. And I taught them from that book the Word of God, and then we all got down on our knees and we prayed for each other. And I still do that. My two daughters are gone. I have two sons still there. One of my sons will be gone in two years. And then it's just going to be me and the last son and my wife. And then he will be gone. But this is the treasure we want to leave with them. This is the take-home message. You want to know what to do, men? Do this. And if you're a single mom, God will give you the grace to do this. Do this in your home. If your children are already gone, start doing this with your spouse. Do it. You take this Word of God, make it your meditation, you will be greatly blessed. You will be greatly blessed. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this Word. From the Scriptures, this great promise, And Father, I pray that you take this word and you just drill it right home to these fine people. Drill it right into their hearts, O God. And touch their hearts through the word of God. And make their lives different. Let them see how you speak a concept, a precise word, a raising of faith and a dealing with the heart through the scriptures. I pray for the outpouring of God to be here. 
upon these fine people. Have mercy on them. Have mercy on their children. And I commit this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.